Oh, it's good to finally download what I've had on my heart. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for the privilege to share this morning. It's great to just be in his presence, be reminded of who he is and what it ultimately is all about. Just like this journey that we are on. And I want to share with you this morning um, about the beautiful bride. That's you and I. So if you are a note taker, then I'm sharing on the beautiful bride this morning. And ultimately about a work of purification that the Lord is busy with in our lives. It's part of the your word, but I want to go into a couple of specifics. But um, I, I, can't, I can't seem to stand up here without referring back to the your word in some or other way because it's just really marked my life really profoundly. And what I did for the, the little guys in the beginning of the year was I summarized our year word into two things. New ways, if you can't read this far, it's new ways and free hearts. Okay, so would you say that with me? New ways and free hearts. All right, so to walk in new ways and to have free hearts, it means leaving behind some of the old stuff or having to confront things that are hidden. And this morning, I just really sense the Lord is going to be just speaking to our hearts and saying, hey, this is something you can give me. Hey, this is something you can lay down. Why? Because he's busy with the purification process in our hearts. And I think many times they can feel more like tenderizing, you know, that piece of steak that needs tenderizing. You can feel more half dead than half alive, you know, in the process that he's busy with in our lives. But ultimately, you are more strong and more free and more you than you've ever been. Let's, let's declare that. I am more strong, more free, and more me than I've ever been. Okay, amen? <laughs> Doesn't matter what it feels like, the Lord's busy with a very specific and beautiful process in our lives. And um, our choices to trust Him will not be for nothing. All right, I was chatting to someone earlier and just quoting one of my favorite phrases that the Lord wastes nothing, He gets us ready. All right, so nothing that we are going through, nothing that happens along the way. It's not all from his heart, but he won't allow it to pass us by without it preparing us for what he does have for us. So take hold of that this morning. Let me just quickly um, remind you of a couple of the things that the Lord is busy with in our lives as the bride that he is preparing. All right, this came through last year, November, with our prophetic word, and we've talked on it a number of times. And again, I'll be touching on some of these things this morning. So listen out for these points. Um, it spoke to, to us of clean hands, a pure heart, and a mindset on God that will be in a new season, there'll be a new way, and a greater glory. And in the light of even what's happened in the last couple of weeks, that takes on a very special new meaning for me anyway. They will be polished, formed, and made beautiful in this God family. All right, so the people sitting around us are part of the people that are going to be part of our purifying and beautification process. We need one another. We need that sharpening. Okay? Why? Because God is crafting a beauty of holiness bride. And purity is something I'll touch a little bit more on this morning. And with this, we're going to have unblocked wells. And with that, supernatural restoration, supernatural healing, supernatural strengthening. And uh, we've been saying sort of our catchphrases, best season yet, best year yet. <laughs> and I want you to keep declaring that if it hasn't felt like it's so far, hey, if it's not yet good, it's not yet the end, okay? 
So we're going to keep declaring. Some of us have said, yes, oh, amen, I can see this. I can see it's been amazing. It's been so good. And other people are like, best season yet, best season yet. And you're declaring it until you see it happen, not from a place of it's happened already. But just keep that on your, on your lips. All right. Let's turn to John or scroll to John, if you've got your Bibles with you. Um, John chapter 1. That's where I'm going to start reading this morning. And then we're going to go to First John. I'm really glad he's got a short name because he's got like four books in the Bible named after him. Now, if he had a really long Melchizedek, what, what, you know, name, it would be quite a mouthful. So, hey, so glad he's got a short name. John. John chapter 1, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to 5. And as I read, I want you to keep in, in context or, or in your mind this concept of light. These scriptures are going to be referring to light. So keep that in mind. All right, John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Okay. So in him was life. The life was light. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend. We're going somewhere with this, so keep tracking with me. All right, then scroll right to the end of the Bible, 1 John, again, chapter 1. 1 John 1. If you're turning or scrolling, once you head over to 1 John 1? And we're going to pick up in verse 5. And read to verse 9. This is the message that we heard from him and declare to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say no to sin, no. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so I'm busy building a thing between light and purity that we'll go into in a moment. So this is not just about, I believe, obvious or blatant sin that we're aware of as sin. I believe the Lord's really starting to, to touch on the little things that we call mixture, okay? Once you turn to Ephesians 5, and while you're doing that, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, mixture I created unintentionally. It was sometime in last week. I was making a pasta sauce, and so I got um, a measuring cup to put in one cup of tomato sauce, and I thought, oh, I'll use the same one for the oil, but instead of only pouring half a cup of oil, I filled it up all the way and put a cup of oil in this measuring cup or put, yeah, that worth, that much worth. And I realized, oh, no, I only need half a cup of oil. So I thought, okay, I'll just quickly pour it out in a separate, like, holder, and then we can maybe reuse that oil. You know, oil these days, at, at the price we pay for it, it's, it's a luxury, so not going to waste any oil. And then I saw, but in this separate container that I poured the unwanted oil in, there were these little spots of tomato sauce. And I was like, mm. 
Okay, so I don't know if we're going to get to uh, use this to bake with, but maybe fry eggs with. I realized there was mixture in the oil, and I couldn't use it for the purpose that it was actually designed for. So that was just, it, it stuck with me. Now we read in Ephesians 5, verse 26. Head on to verse 26 and 27. And this is where it's, it's describing what, what Christ's heart is for the church. It's like husband loves your wife. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then here comes this description um, about like the heart of Jesus for us as a church. is to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw. All right, so this is the process he's got. And I'm going to read it in another translation because I want to pull something out of that. So again, it's Ephesians 5, 26 to 27. And this is coming out of the New King James. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, if you look up spot, wrinkle, these sorts of things, it's spoken of as tiny things, a small spot, like wrinkles are supposed to be tiny lines. For some of us, they're larger, and for others of us, you just have no idea what those are yet, lucky you, but they, they speak about little folds and little spots. It's not these big, fat, giant, you know, like dirt marks. It's this little spot, this little stain. And this is what I sense the Lord is really wanting us to go after in our own hearts, in this, in this purifying, beautifying process that he has us in, are these little things that create the mixture. Okay. Um, I'm just going to head over here and bring the whiteboard a bit closer. So what I did was I just took the, um, the two scriptures that came out of John, first John, and then the third one in Ephesians, and I summarized it into what we're talking through um, in terms of light and darkness in these scriptures. So here, every time we refer to light, um, that's where God is, okay? Don't worry if you can't see it and you can't write it down. Ask me for notes. Take a photo afterwards. Just listen with your spirit, okay? So where there's light, there's the presence of the Father. There's Jesus. There's the Holy Spirit. We have life. Okay, and life was light. So where there's light, we can see clearly. Okay? There's truth, there's fellowship, there's a connectedness. The blood cleanses. All right. There was that beautiful like description of like the shower. When we are walking in the light, there's a cleansing going on, but it's only when we're walking in the light. All right, the blood of Jesus, his word. Okay, the blood cleanses. There's confession and forgiveness at this place. Okay, why? Because I need to confess in order to receive that cleansing or that forgiveness. There's a holiness and a purity in this place called light. The showering I mentioned just now. And then just a little extra thing I've added, which I'll touch on just now about a renewed mind. The mind is, the mind is new in this place. It's thinking God's thoughts. Okay, and then in contrast... Where, 
where there's darkness or where we find ourselves in this place of darkness, that's where the enemy's at work. And what are, what are his intentions? That there would be no understanding. There'd be a dimness. Where there's no light, it's a little harder to see. All right, I don't know if you guys have ever reached for the light switch during load shedding, you know, and thought, why is it, you walk into a room and think, why is it so dark? And then you remember, oh, okay, right, it's load shedding. So where there's no light, it's a lot harder to see where you're going. You can trip and fall over obstacles. You can whatever, whatever. All right, there are lies and deceit. All right, the enemy likes to work with deception. There's a disconnection. It's sort of the opposites of what we find in light. There's a disconnection happening. And this might not be my entire life, but maybe it's just a tiny, tiny area. Okay, disconnect, sin, there's denial or hiding. Okay, um, one of our scriptures was referring to if we say we have no sin, hey, we are deceived. We've got to come to the point of recognizing, hey, I've got stuff. I've got some issues I need to bring to you, Father. I've got this fear issue, this, this bad habit, this whatever. Because if I can't confess that, then I can't receive the grace to walk out of it and in his power and in his light, okay? Um, and this is where the mixture comes in, all right? Anything happening here in whatever measure is ultimately creating a mixture, which creates some havoc, Okay. Um, a spot, a blemish, a wrinkle, any references to these sorts of things are small, they're tiny. They're not these big, big things. They're these small, small things, these little foxes, okay? And then the world's patterns. Sometimes that's what's creating some of the confusion or, or, or the dimness is my mind is not in line with what God would have me think regarding a certain issue or problem or my, uh, my, myself, my life, how I see myself, how I see a problem. And that starts to create mixture. Okay, so we've got the place of light and the place of darkness, and it's possible to walk in some areas in light and some areas in darkness, okay? Uh, we love to quote the scripture in James which says, um, resist the devil and he will flee from you, <laughs> right? But it starts with submit to God. So sometimes we're dealing with, we, we may be trying to deal with the mixture, but we haven't submitted to God yet. We're just resisting the devil and rebuking the devil, but we actually haven't stepped into the light yet. Or should I say walked in the light? We might have stepped in, you know, you put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, you put your right foot in. And you guys know the hokey pokey? No? Okay, just Google it. Okay, anyway, so it's a song. It's not a lifestyle, okay? It should not be a lifestyle. So we're on call to step into the light where it feels safe or comfortable. We're told to walk in the light boldly, okay? And this is really something that we need to understand that God is wanting to bring us to a place where these areas of, of mixture or compromise or, or even just believing something about myself that God hasn't said about me is actually, it's tainting my purity, all right? It's creating mixture where, where I can't ultimately be this beautified, pure bride. And I'm not talking about the position we have in Christ because that's sealed and done, all right? That's a whole other theological topic. I'm talking about as we, as we relate to him and as we, as we learn how to walk in the righteousness that is actually ours, Okay. We next. I'm having such a good time talking. I need to find my place. Okay, so just something really important that I, I want to just touch on over here is whenever we get to a place where we're denying that something is a problem or we're not maybe dealing with it or we're hiding it, 
because we were embarrassed or ashamed. I've been a Christian for 15 years or, you know what, if somebody knew this about me, they would literally, you know, they would never speak to me again or they'd fire me from the church or, you know. Whenever we hide things that, that brings a shame upon us, which can actually leave us believing we're dealing with it. You know, if you feel bad about what you're doing, that can feel very spiritual. It can feel very like, oh, yeah, you know, bad, 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 don't do that. But have you yet come to a place of actually confessing it and receiving forgiveness and receiving cleansing? All right, I want to remind you again about the, the year word for clean hands, pure heart. All right, that the Lord is busy with a, a purifying and a, and a holiness um, in his bride that he's serious about, all right? Purity is a big deal to him. Why? Because that's where we get to walk free and walk who we're supposed to be in who we're supposed to be, okay? All right, so I've been talking to you about light, and I want to move on to just talk a little bit about seed and the importance of seed and how seed actually fits into this picture and perhaps to give you something more specific to let the Lord just really work in your heart about regarding how he wants to bring a greater purity. This is not a shame thing. This is a, hey, this is an invitation, not to hokey pokey in the light, but to walk as a lifestyle. Okay. Once you turn to Matthew 13, we're going to pull a couple of things out of there. And um, it's all about, it's a lot of parables about plants, of which I am not a very good custodian. I once kept a house plant alive. It was a birthday gift for five years with the help of Annie. Thank you, Annie, because she reminded me to water it. Um, and so it lived for five years. And when it finally actually died, maybe by drowning, I don't know, um, I actually had a little burial for it and it got its own Facebook post because it was a big deal for me. I kept a plant alive for five years. So I really love like fresh plants and house plants and green things, but they don't stay green and they don't stay alive in my care. So if you are ever thinking to gift me with something, make sure it's like along that line, it must be plastic or, or, okay. All right. I, I think I might even have once killed a fit plant. What's that uh, in English? A succulent. Yes. Oh my goodness, I've got, I've got other skills like plants, driving, dancing are in one quarter and then I've got other skills that I just work on, that I'm, I'm better at. Okay, so here we've got Matthew 13 and we're talking about seed, okay? The first 23 verses, verse 1 to 23, very well known, the parable of the sower and then Jesus' explanation of it. So I'm going to quickly recap because it's putting a bit of foundation for where I'm going with seed and light, Okay. So I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to quickly refresh the different types of soil, okay? So the first soil, I don't know if I should just put soil number one, number two, number three, and then the good stuff, okay? So the first kind of soil was referred to as like the wayside, there on the path, okay? Then it was the rocky ground, and then it was the thorny ground, and then it was the good soil. So let's take the, let's color code. All right, so red resembling light, good seed. Okay, so the first, um, the first lot of seed fell on the wayside, okay? And that was for people that didn't understand. They will hear and not understand, and then the enemy would sweat, snatch away the seed. Swatch, that's a great word. The enemy would swatch away the seed, okay? And... Um, that was because people didn't understand the word. And, and where, where does no understanding lie? In this place of darkness. So perhaps there's an area in my life that's not completely exposed to the light of the Father. So I hear a word and it doesn't actually have the effect on my life it's supposed to. 
because I'm lacking understanding in that area. So please, today is not like, oh, what's wrong with me and what's my bad team? It's just, Holy Spirit, I want to be the beautiful bride of Christ and you want to get me there and show me any mixture that is messing with my purity because purity is my goal and it's my heart and and something that I want to pursue. So I really want you to keep this in your heart this morning, an excitement of the invitation to purity without mixture, okay? So back to our seeds, okay? So you don't understand, so the seed gets snatched, okay? The next lot of seed fell in uh, rocky ground, and that was, or stony ground, that was where um, somebody hears the word and receives it gladly, but it can't put roots down. And then I don't know if you've read this. I only recently actually realized that this portion of scripture speaks about how when tribulation comes, not general tribulation, tribulation because of the word that was given comes, meaning the word's planted in my life. Now it starts to challenge me and it gets derailed somehow because I can't understand that there would be a a place of challenge with the word. What? What? That this could require something of me? First, it sounded amazing, but suddenly the word starts to come with its double-edged sordidness, and then it's, it gets a little uncomfortable, and somehow that just goes by the way. All right, the third lot of seed fell in the thorny ground, which um, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches would then come and steal. So, uh, I don't know, for me that's like, maybe that's just our everyday life, the things that are getting us down, like, like job, finance, provision, things like that. None of those things are wrong, they're part of us doing life, right? But they can so weigh us down that I hear a good word, but it doesn't actually get chance to blossom. Okay. And then obviously the um, fourth type of seed fell in good ground. And it sprouted and there was fruitfulness and reproduction of it. Okay. So, let's just do like... All right. Yeah. Drawing is not one of my other skills. There are other people that can draw better that I know sitting at the back. Okay. So, those are the the, the kinds of seeds falling in different kinds of ground. So, note that the word is always good. The word of God is always good. But the ground that it falls in is important. And we know this, right? But, okay, hold on to your horses. We're going a bit deeper with it. Okay. The very next parable in Matthew 13, we're following on from verse 24 to 30, is the parable of the wheat and the tares, or weeds. Okay, let's call it wheat and weeds. Okay. So now, obviously, there's, there's good seal, uh, seal. There's good seed in the soil. We're getting so many new words today. Where's my, oh, there it is. Okay. So now there's... There's good word in the soil, and it's blossoming, and it's flourishing. But here comes an enemy while men slept. And what happens is the weeds start to grow. And then that parable is about, oh, should we pull out the weeds? And then they're told, no, 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 wait until harvest time, and then we can separate it. But what happens is, until harvest time, guess what you've got growing in your garden as well. And that was while men slept. So maybe, you know what, that could be a variety of different things. And let Holy Spirit just talk to your heart about, hey, was I maybe just getting a little, maybe too comfortable? You know, was it just something I was ignoring? Like I knew it was an issue, but I thought, oh, I'll, I'll fix it, I'll fix it, I'll fix it. Or was it maybe I was just completely unaware? You know, I didn't intend. Maybe something happened to me or to you 
and it wasn't a nice thing. And in that process, somewhere like seed with, a, with an ulterior purpose got planted in my heart. You know, that little, that little seed of doubt and that little seed of maybe, I don't know, Lord, you're a good father, but I don't know if I'm 100% worthy or you're 100% good all the time, for example. Okay? So somewhere where I was unaware, ding, 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 weeds crept in. Okay. Very interesting. Matthew 13, carrying on now. This is the next parable of the mustard seed. 13 verse 31 and 32 speaks about the kingdom of heaven being like a mustard seed. All right? Which when it grows, it grows so big. It's the tiniest of seeds, but it grows so big that birds can actually come and nest in its branches and find safety. So let's say for argument's sake, this is a mustard seed. Okay? What else do we know about the mustard seed? Very famous scripture. You don't have to turn there, but Matthew 17 verse 20, and also in Mark chapter 9, it's the same story, where faith is referred to as a mustard seed, and if you have it, you can say to this mountain, move from here, and it will, and nothing will be impossible for you. So why, when we tell the mountains to move, do they not move? Okay, and very interesting, in that, in that story, leading up to that statement that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain, is this father whose, whose boy is um, demonically possessed, and he comes to Jesus, and he's like, like, Lord, if you're willing and if you're able. And Jesus is like, hey, dude, it's not about me. Do you believe? And what's the father's reply? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Oh, my word, Lord, I've got, I've got more than one seed growing in my garden. Lord, I have faith. I believe. But, you know, there's, there's this and there's that, and there's all the years, and there's all the previous times I tried this before, and it never worked. And it's making it really hard for me to believe you right now. So what happens is when I've got like foreign seed or, or weeds in my garden, they are all competing with the nutrients that this, let me just make it nice and God's word comes to me and it's a very good word. It, it's providing me with nutrients and now think about what seeds need, water, light, compost, so now I've got the seed and it's getting everything that it needs. But what else is getting everything that it needs? The tears, the weeds, some of these things over here. They're competing now for what this one thing was meant to provide for me. If it was the only seed. Okay? Because that seed is basically, um, in its purest form, it can accomplish what it's meant to. But when it's got some competition, that's where the, the mixture comes in. And this is why mixture is a big deal. This is why purity is a big deal. And I just loved how the sort of garden root sort of lends to this, this, this idea of, of really, you know, walking in purity. It's not an idea. It's a lifestyle of walking in purity and really going after the things, letting the Lord come and scratch where maybe it's not itching. Why? Because there are things that are competing for the goodness of his word in your life and to you for your situations. And you've got more than one seed growing in your garden. And what happens is we start to think, um, we, we maybe adopt a, a theology of our own because it makes sense for the situation rather than dealing with, with the seed going on in my heart. I'm trying to explain why it's there and, 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 why, and why this seed isn't enough to sort the problem out. But ultimately what I need to be doing is actually taking out the seeds that are creating competition in my garden. And a great question to go and spend some time with the Lord is, um, in the next while is just, hey, what have I got growing in my garden that doesn't belong there? What's competing with your word to me? Because we hear that scripture and we love to quote it that um, faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And if you read it quickly, it can almost sound like faith comes from hearing the word of God. And if that were true, I could just put my audio Bible on and in the morning I'd be Rambo, baby. I'd be like, bring it on, move mountain. You know, we wouldn't have anything to have to do um, in our own hearts or with our own lives. We could just let it happen to us. But this is, don't miss this. This is so important. It so spoke to my heart that um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this is ultimately about our connection to God's voice and what trains us to hear his voice. Part of that is his word to us. Okay, so yes, he speaks to us, but why it's important to be in the word and to have that as life and not just as something I'm memorizing is why it's training me to hear. It's training me to recognize when he's speaking to me and the seed that he's planting in me. It was, sure, last week, Friday, I woke up in kind of a meh mood. I really just wasn't feeling it. The day was just like, oh, let's just get through it. And I went to the mall and I was shopping for earrings because I, I lost one of my, my silver sleepers a couple of weeks back. So now I'm shopping around pricing sleepers and I walk into Lovisa at Waterfront. And what's playing? 1999. Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. Just want to praise you. And as the song was playing, I was just firstly so impressed it was playing in a jewelry store. But I felt something inside of me go like, and just that, that horrible, like, me, just broke off of me and I felt like just doing a jig there in the, the jewelry store. I didn't stay long because I didn't like the price of the earrings. But I walked in there and something about um, the fact that I'm unshackled, that I can dance, I can praise him. There's a freedom that's supposed to be coming from my life. I don't have to sit under this meh thing and I've got enough tools to know I don't have to walk around with it, you know, hanging on me. But hey, that morning I did. And it was just a reminder of when I'm full of what God's word is to me, and what his word means for me, and just that his word is, is coming alive, and I keep it fresh inside of me. It's training me actually to connect with his voice as well. So this is the importance of, of the seed and, and treating word that comes to me with importance. Why? Because it's, it's busy forming in me what I need to, to, to grow in faith. Faith comes by hearing. What do I need faith for? So if you're battling to really break through in an area of trust in your life, go check what's happening in your garden. Go check if there's maybe just something that's, that's on this side of the, the column. <laughs> that's, that's just that little thing, that little spot, that little blemish that's causing competition with good word and good seed in your life. All right, think about it. Like the presence of God waters all seeds. That's why we can have uh, wheat and weeds growing in our garden at the same time because his presence waters whatever's inside of me. You think about the Last Supper, there's John, all right, well, the Last Supper and the last moments Jesus had with his disciples, and there's John, and he's got his head on the chest of Jesus. There's Peter going, he's denying he'll ever deny Jesus. Jesus, I will never deny you, you know, that's what's going on in Peter, or Simon at the time, and he has Judas walking out the door to go and pay his money to betray Jesus. So whatever I've got growing in my heart is going to be exposed in his presence, and that exposure is never meant to be to shame me and to make me hide. It's meant to show me there's mixture in my heart and there's something I can do about it. I can move into the light where his blood cleanses and his word washes and I can see and I can hear and I'm connected. And there's a purity in my life that's helping me walk in greater faith for what he's called me to do. It's an incredibly precious, precious process. So really just, just allow him you know, remember this thing about confessing, about saying, sure, Lord, I really, where are we? 
somewhere there. Oh, yeah, confession. <laughs> Remember the power of saying, Lord, I've got a problem. I've got a problem believing what you say about me, believing what you're saying about my future. I, I believe what you say, but I also don't believe it. And so, Lord, I've got this mixture going on. And whatever it might be for you, to go and take some time and say, Lord, talk to me about my seed. So, so confess what's going on. The minute, you know, that's, that's if something's taken a deep root, then you unrooted and you might need to keep practicing a new way to think because you've practiced the wrong way to think for so long and just by the way if that's sitting in your head you know the wrong thing if what you are thinking about God is contradicting what's in his word then you know the wrong thing you've got to go back and know the right stuff you've got to get the wrong thing out your head if it's causing you not to believe okay if it's growing unbelief in your heart get rid of that thing all right so confess when he does show you something repent just get rid of it straight away okay um, yeah, even if it's driving on the road and, you know, you know what happens on the road, stuff happens. I like to get where I'm going and when someone's driving really slowly, for me it's really rude, you know, because we all have somewhere to go. So when you're like, you know, whatever those little or big things are, as the Holy Spirit's just going, boing, boing, or the word's coming and it's cutting and it, it heals where it cuts, by the way, this double-edged sword. It's never there to wound. It cuts, but it heals. Just be attentive and say, Holy Spirit, awesome. Okay, I'll, I'll deal with that right now. Okay, don't go into guilt and shame mode. Confess. Step into the light. And of course, grow your appetite for things unseen. The eternal, that's where our value is. That's why it's called the faith and not the understanding that we walk with the Lord. The Christian faith. Okay, just want to end off with a reminder of this bride. This is, why is this process important to him? Ah, oh, because we're a bride that he's busy forming and preparing for himself. And I want to read out of... Um, the Passion Translation, I've read this before in a, a message I brought a, a year or two back, but I love it. It's Song of Songs, chapter 4, from verse 10 to 14. And as I read it, um, the Passion Translation gives a bit of a different angle. It's more of like a prophetic look at the bride, bridegroom. We know that that's symbolic as we read Song of Solomon, but the Passion Translation actually turns it into a proper prophetic declaration from Jesus to his bride. And this is what it sounds like. Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 10 to 14. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. Your love is the finest wine, intoxicating and thrilling. And your sweet, perfumed praises, so exotic, so pleasing. Your loving words are like honeycomb to me. That was so cool. We've heard so much about honey lately. Your loving words are like honeycomb to me. Your tongue releases milk and honey. For I find the promised land flowing within you. The fragrance of your worshipping love surrounds you with scented robes of white. My darling bride, my private paradise, fastened to my heart. A secret spring that no one else can have are you. My bubbling fountain hidden from public view. What a perfect partner to me now that I have you. Your inward life is now sprouting, bringing forth fruit. What a beautiful paradise unfolds within you. When I'm near you, I smell aromas of the finest spice. For many clusters of my exquisite fruit now grow within your inner garden. So Jesus is saying, wow, I recognize myself in you. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And this is what this process is all about. That's why he's saying, hey, it's important to me that we get rid of the mixture in your heart. Not because I'm there to tick boxes and kickbox and whatever else, but because I want a beautiful bride who walks in purity, who has just a singleness of heart 
and a great faith for all I've called her to. All right? There's only one seed in my garden. So let me just leave you with this and, and just encourage you just to um, consider it great joy when you face trials of many kinds. James is so full of some of the things we're talking about here, about moving from one place to the other. Why? Because the Lord is, um, I wouldn't say causing them, but even through these processes, there's a beautifying and a purifying going on that is absolutely priceless. Okay. So let's pray and then we'll close. Thank you, Father. Thank you that all good things come from you. Thank you that all good ideas started in your heart. Thank you that relationship is what you are all about and that you've given us beautiful examples just to, to look at and learn from, but not only that you've given us your word and you've given us your voice, you've made it personal for each one of us. And I just pray, Father, that in the weeks to come, there would just come this hunger for your presence, Lord, for more of you in our lives to, to deal with the things that don't belong there so that we can just be this, this beautiful, beautiful bride, not out of performance, but out of absolute desire to be the, the beauty that you long for and love. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, for what you made possible. Thank you, Spirit of God, that you come and you, you coach us on this journey of being made beautiful and pure. And thank you that we don't have to walk it alone, but that we can walk it with you. Yeah, Lord, just have your way. Do what you would do in our hearts. We are yours. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.